You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to the Purpose Made podcast. We're here to inspire positive change in our post-pandemic global society. Talking to business leaders around the globe, discussing the highs, lows and challenges they've experienced. Our hosts, Neil Bestford and Peter Bell, created Purpose Made in 2021 during the height of the pandemic, combining their passion for people, culture and transformational change. They sit down with business leaders and ask, what does the future look like? Don't forget to click subscribe to hear all the latest news and views on our changed global society. Hi, and welcome to the Purpose Made podcast. In this episode, we chat to David Smith and Alex Lang from Oasis Community Housing. Oasis is a charity that exists to reignite hope and provide a future for everyone facing homelessness. And like ourselves, they believe that everyone's lives can be transformed for the better. That's why every year Oasis offer hope and futures to people facing homelessness. David is the chief exec, whilst Alex is a project team lead for resettlement. We wanted to speak to Oasis specifically around the fantastic work they're doing within the community and also about the wider impacts the COVID pandemic has had on homelessness and on the charitable sector as a whole. It was reported in June 2020 by The Guardian and as part of a pro bono economic study conducted that one in 10 UK charities were facing bankruptcy as they struggled to cope with a £10 billion shortfall caused by soaring demand of their services and a loss of fundraising income due to the coronavirus pandemic. Additionally, homelessness is a notoriously difficult thing to quantify as elements such as sofa surfing means people often don't consider themselves to be homeless. Furthermore, there's no national figure on how many people are homeless across the UK. Crazy, isn't it? But that's because homelessness is recorded differently in each of our nations. And because of this, many homeless people don't even show up on official statistics. What we do know is for the last five years, core homelessness has been rising year on year in England, reaching 219,000 before the pandemic, with current estimates believed to be in the region of 280,000. Homelessness isn't inevitable. Finland, for example, are showing the rest of Europe homelessness can decline, but homelessness must be beyond buildings. It's about people and nurturing supportive relationships that offer hope and future and not simply temporary everyone in accommodation. Chatting to David and Alex was an absolute pleasure, and we really, really hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did. If it's all right with you, let's maybe just start with some introductions. So Alex or David, whoever wants to introduce first. 
So my name is Alex Lang. Um, I am currently the project team lead for the resettlement service for Oasis Community Housing. So I kind of am a lead on a service that runs across Gateshead, South Tyneside and Sunderland, which has been heavily involved and influenced in kind of what we do during the pandemic. And then also we deal with rough sleepers within the area, people have been affected by the pandemic and then just going forward. And as you're probably aware, we're right in the middle of setting up a new assessment centre so far to be named. So yeah, that's me. And David? Uh, yeah, I'm David Smith and I'm the Chief Executive of Oasis Community Housing, have been for almost five years. We're a homelessness charity. We work across the northeast of England and London in particular, doing a range of work trying to uh, prevent and respond to homelessness uh, wherever we find it. Nice. Well, thank you both for joining. And let's maybe kick off in just an overview in your own experiences over the last 18 months or so. What's What's it been like for you guys? Maybe I'll have a first shot at that and Alex can give this sort of uh, tales from the ground version of the answer. It's been, um, I'm sure like for everyone else, it's been uh, a time like no other. You know, we've been learning as we go along like everybody else as well. I, I think the first few weeks and couple of months were the most intense time, the most uncertain time as we were trying to adapt all of our services to the situation, the circumstances, you know, make sure that our staff are safe, make sure that people we serve are safe. You know, I'm very proud to say that all of our work has continued in some form, even where we've had to adapt and innovate. All of our work has continued throughout. Most of our work is entirely dependent upon the, the staff uh, being available to the people that we serve. In some cases, that's literally because, you know, they're living with us. <laughs> there is no option to go and work from home. So we, we operate homes across the country, but also as well, you know, the work that Alex does when we've got people that are extremely vulnerable who might be rough sleeping or who are accommodated, but are still, you know, at a point of crisis in their life. There was no question of just saying, well, I'm sorry, we can't support you anymore. Um, we're going to all go and work from home. So we, we just got on with it and we had to adapt some of our services so that they were COVID safe, but also so that they were appropriate and responsive to the circumstances. So certain things that weren't as helpful uh, that we needed to change that around. And Joe Alex can t- talk a lot about that because she's, she's done a lot of that herself over this, this last year. But it's been um, a really challenging year, a really tiring year uh, for, for all of the staff, just trying to keep that focus no matter what the circumstances. Um, and so we're glad to be in what we are now, July 2021, rather than March 2020, I can say that. Yeah, I think from initially, um, I came into a different role, um, managing kind of like a different service that very quickly was, was realised it couldn't actually open because of the pandemic. But I think in, in back, if you think March 2020, we're kind of going week to week, day to day, thinking, oh, you know, it's like it'll be over soon. And then the next thing you know, some days I feel like we've blinked and it's July 2021. And other moments I think it's been a long, long year. So, yeah, um, initially we're just kind of doing what we could. And then it got, I think it got to about summer last year and we thought, you know, this is, this isn't, this is going to be for a bit longer. What do we, what do we need to do? What do we need to implement to kind of help here? And then to think long term. So, we kind of were, as you're probably aware, and I think you'll probably ask about that a bit later, but in terms of everyone in, we had over 700 of people entering hotels. I kind of quick think, what do we do here? How do we help these people? Because, you know, it was great. It was a great initiative, but there had to be people in charities like us to help facilitate that. 
So it's been ever-changing, but I think in the way that it's probably affected me, services I work with and my colleague services and everybody who works this organisation, it's been massive learning, but also a newfound respect for one another, I think. I think it's been quite fortunate to expand in some ways as well. been a lot of successes, but it's come with a lot of hard work too. Yeah, I can imagine it must have been insane, like especially because the every everyone in initiative came off at the twenty sixth of March, I think. So, and the assumption was around about like five thousand people, but obviously it was quite a large amount more than five thousand. I think the estimates was about three thirty seven thousand five hundred at the end. So, um, yeah, like what were the realities of that program, and how how did um, how did you go about managing that? The reality was, in one breath, you thought this is great. Um, you know, it's a unique opportunity where everybody who previously had, there were certain reasons why they weren't being housed at that time, they were being offered accommodation. But also, I think with the pandemic, it brought a really unique, different side of people experiencing homelessness than we would normally see. Generally, the people we work with, they're quite, uh, have multiple complex needs. You know, there's not just, there's just not just one kind of symptom, as they say, somebody's homeless, that's put them somewhere, problem solved. It's never as clean cut as that. There's always a lot more to it. But I think within the pandemic, you know, people's relationships were breaking down. People were sofa surfing or staying with friends where they couldn't really do that anymore. I know for myself, I had to move because, you know, I was work. I was going to work every day. Most people were furloughed and the people, like my friends who I was living with, were like, feel a bit uncomfortable about that. There's so many other reasons that people were experiencing homelessness so we have like quite a good understanding and a good skill set but even we were kind of like oh don't we know what to do here what kind of happens next so yeah and then I think that you know there was a mass when you spoke to people about it they were like I wish I could live in a hotel how amazing is that that sounds like the best thing ever what we need to remember is this wasn't like you're in the Costa del Sol you know they were we were using it um, accommodation wherever we possibly could and for a lot of people staying in these hotels they didn't know what was going to happen next week the week after um, you know councils were great and keeping in touch with us and help supporting us support them and all that but it was really an uncertain time some people some people we work with found it amazing you know they've got a warm bed there's a lovely bath they've got a TV other people found it quite disruptive and thinking well what happens now even things like just like normal everyday things like food, you know. Normally we'd give somebody a food parcel, but you're in a hotel, you've got a kettle. You can't build pasta with a kettle, you know. So then it was liaising with food banks and things like that to kind of, which we still do, over a year later when they put us together, kettle packs, which has been amazing. So people could still get the things that they needed from a food bank, but adapting it into a hotel environment. So quite quickly, the luxury and the glamour of staying in hotels wore off understandably but yeah so it's hard to say exactly in what ways it worked well and sometimes where it struggled I think I think from just looking at it from an outside view it's it's kind of the whole everyone in program just exposed the scale of the problem and you know you can kind of you mentioned food banks but we've seen during the pandemic that more and more people are utilizing food banks there's a lot more food banks in this country than there ever was previously and then we've got issues such as you know the upcoming eviction ban when that kicks in and landlords are able to evict people who haven't been able to pay their rents then 
we're going to see further and further people actually end up homeless, which is a really, really sad and upsetting issue, especially when, you know, we see that there is this ability almost through taking people in to kind of solve, or at least to begin to solve what is a huge challenge for not just this country, but globally. Homelessness is an issue that if we all kind of work together, we could solve quite quickly, but it's, it must be really, really tough on a, like on a day-to-day basis. So, yeah, every day is different, I think. You, no, you go. <laughs> no, well, I, w- I was just going to say exactly that, Peter, you know, that one of the things that everyone in, uh, we should commend everyone in, you know, it, it was a great response, Dame Louise Casey, you know, led by heart, you know, brilliant to say, you know, we can tackle this issue. It's a public health emergency. Let's do something about it. Uh, I guess I would say that I, I wish that there was that urgency and that approach to homelessness all of the time. And it may be unkind to say it, but I don't think there would have been that response if it wasn't the situation that there was a public health emergency. Maybe it's a bit cynical, but there's a question about whether if there hadn't been a public health emergency, if something like this would have happened and if it was really the people on the street that were the greatest concern, <laughs> you know, were, were they regarded as, as uh, their well-being being protected or wider society's well-being being protected? And possibly it was both. But um, what I would say is I, I think... There's a definite need to treat this issue, i.e. homelessness and the housing crisis, as a crisis and as an emergency. And what it exposed was there's this huge scale of hidden homelessness. All the numbers that you can look up uh, on the internet or that coming out of the you know, various government departments or the National Audit Office, everyone that works in the homelessness sector knows they're an underestimate. And that was proved by threw everyone in. Alex is right, you know, there were new people coming, flowing through, relationship breakdown and people who had already been sleeping on people's sofas, etc. You know, they, they came into the system, as it were. But, you know, the, the example of someone sleeping on uh, someone else's sofa, sofa surfing, I mean, if that was happening before the pandemic anyway, you know, that that's homelessness. You know, it might not be rough sleeping, but it is homelessness, you know, insecure housing or temporary accommodation or, you know, very vulnerable housing where you're on somebody's sofa and dependent upon their goodwill. That's homelessness, you know. So everyone then was great. I think it exposed the scale of the problem. I mean, in our work in the first couple of days, and, and Alex was very involved in this, we quickly drew up a list of who are the people that we are working with and that we know that we need to reach out and go and support who will not have any sort of... Um, support network and we need to be that and it was about 100 people well over the course of, of that summer of the of the first part of the pandemic we ended up supporting well over 400 people into the hotels so even just that you know it's four times bigger than the problem that we knew and we, we think we know the people that we serve and we, we think we know the problem of homelessness in the areas that we work in but I think that number in itself is very indicative so there's this massive problem and we really need to see it as a national emergency and it's you're right it's only going to get worse when it comes to both the end of the eviction ban and actually the end of the furlough scheme as well which is another concern and i think one of the other challenges that goes kind of unspoken is also the difficulties for the charitable um, sector as well i read a while ago that like one in ten during the later part of last year, I think one in 10 charities were facing the concept of bankruptcy. So at the same time as, you know, you're trying to address issues where the issue is almost like four times bigger than you initially envisaged, you're also facing the difficulty of um, the charitable sector and not getting the support that's needed as well. So from a financial perspective, what was the realities of, of that process like? 
Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a constant challenge, to be honest. We've, our work has grown a lot in the last few years, actually. And we, that's partly through successful fundraising and, and, and contracts and grants from, uh, including the government. However, it is a constant challenge. And, you know, our work only grows because the issue is so big and there's so much need for it. And, you know, us and, and charities like us. So, yeah, there's a constant challenge for us to get that sustainability in our work. And I think we're one of the more forward thinking charities where, you know, we get corporate partnerships, we're working with individual donors, we're working with big grant foundations, we're working with local authorities, we're working with, you know, the national government. You know, we, we will work with anybody that wants to support our mission to, uh, you know, offer hope, not homelessness to whoever. Um, but it's a very challenging uh, circumstances and certainly I think as well, particularly for those we're a reasonably large-sized charity compared to a lot of charities in the UK, and the, the small ones in particular who have no reserves, who um, don't have a, a pipeline of support. Uh, you know, many of them have gone to the wall or are in danger of going to the wall. And the thing that I would say, one thing that's really um, the pandemic has shown, the work of charities like us, of, of Alex and her team, it's frontline essential work. What's proven to us is that in the way that we work with public services, sometimes the public services are relying on us. You know, it's not the other way around. Sometimes, often they're referring to us. There was times during the pandemic where a, a public service was closed and uh, for people, you know, who were homeless. And then they were referring to our services, which were open. You know, and to me, that just shows just how essential the work of charities like us is. So we've got to get you know, beyond this of notion that these are, you know, optional optional extras, you know, the, the work of, of charities like us and how essential they are to flourish in society. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think what you said about society is definitely key because, you know, the society around us is changing. People are taking more care and notice of, of their environments, their communities, each other. Kind of seeing this a lot through the kind of the goodwill as well as well as the difficulties during the pandemic there's been an awful lot of goodwill as well so kind of looking at homelessness as you know something that i believe is not inevitable it's something that with collective will and support and backing and a, and a proper plan it could be solved quite quickly so that kind of leads me on to the next part in the amazing work that you guys are doing in respect to your people-centered help for homeless people and your new assessment center. So if you want to maybe talk a little bit about that as well. I guess very exciting. It comes, I feel like it's very needed. I, remember, I think when we're talking about homelessness, you know, it's, as we said said previously, it's very easy to just kind of put a roof over somebody's head and think, oh, well, you know, there we are fixing it. It's, it's not it's not that at all. You know, most people that we find within our services are experiencing homelessness. There's a lot more that's to it, you know, and a lot of past stuff, childhood trauma, mental health issues, you know, that kind of lead up to this. I find that the actual homelessness part of it is just sometimes one small piece of the puzzle. So we wanted to look at kind of, of it as a whole, um, holistic, if you will. So, you know, what what are all the other factors that contribute to this? Because we're going to, you know, it's accommodating people is half the battle. Um, so I think in setting up this service, we kind of wanted to resonate some of the things that we've been doing within the homeless, within my service and other services anyway, and being person-centred. So you find... Sometimes services and not all can be like, well, I think you need to do this. Like, say, if we're talking about somebody who's got quite complex needs, um, mental health problems, substance misuse, we all can think, well, I'm, you need to do that. I know what's best. When that's not really going to, it's not helpful. It's more about what do you need us to support you with? What is it that you want? Because, you know, that might not be what we think at that time, but likely that sometimes leads to, to be do, we are more or less on the same page. People don't kind of, when they're little, think, grow up, think, oh, I can't wait when I grow up to be rough sleeping or have these kind of struggles. It just doesn't happen, you know? People want to be safe. People want to be happy. And so it's important within this project that they do kind of get that feeling. So it's a six-bed project. It'll be working on an emergency stance so people can go in in the middle of the night if needed. There'll be, it'll be staffed. 24 hours with two members of staff, me and um, we can accept people who do have more complex needs, who do need that additional support. But also the, the kind of benefit that we've got with it being two people there all the time, so only six people staying there, that can put some really intense support in if needed. So if they want to sit and talk for two hours about their trauma or just kind of what they would like for their future or just just to talk about the weather there's people there to do that and to listen to them and support them but also we're kind of hoping that it's going to be a place where we kind of really get to know somebody so you know we can say what we think that your move on plan might be but what is it that you want your move on plan to be where do you see yourself 
in kind of making those realistic small steps to achieve them. Um, but also to be able to understand something on a deeper level. You know, a lot of people that uh, we work with, I think I was talking to one of my colleagues, Sally, about this, and probably about 95% of the people that we work with, and particularly who we access a service like this, have suffered really horrific childhood trauma. And it's a lot kind of the things that have happened from that have led them to be in positions like this right now. So somebody who's suffered such trauma, you have to be really aware of this. And sometimes the more you know, the better you can support them because say I don't know if you've ever heard of things like ACEs before or just acknowledging the different things that can happen to somebody within their life can completely affect their behavior how they feel emotionally and just how they communicate with other people Um, and it's really important for us to be aware of that and especially the people that are working there so we've got a wonderful team going in and the people will be working nights people are working days we have a really passionate and empathic understanding around this and how best to support somebody and do it in that really person-centered way what do we what what can we do that you would like us to support you with we won't do it for you we'll do it with you we'll help you learn how to do things or whatever and um, but it's just always about putting them at the forefront and then I think there's an expectation from a B at this project quite short term. But obviously with us having an understanding that when we, people do move on, won't it be the right move on for them? Which is sometimes quite hard and what's available and stuff like that. But in the best way we can, we'd like to be, be a successful move on. You think, well, you know, that, that's going to be able to be managed and they're going to, they're going to find happiness or safety in that. Um, and we can kind of, teach them skills and things to make them do that to the best of their ability. So under the resettlement service, we're quite hopeful that, say, say if they moved on into their own flat via the council or whatever, that there's somebody from within the resettlement service that could continue that support. So they don't feel dropped when they leave. They're going to have that continuity like that was still there to help you get set up. And then we can kind of take a step back when you feel, when you feel ready so yeah, it's exciting. I could probably talk about it all day, and um, so you have to stop. <laughs> I mean, there's there's one of the things that Alex is getting at. I think actually, because it seems self evident to say it, but homelessness is about people, not buildings. It's about it's about people, not houses. Now, obviously, at some point, you need a home. I'd rather use the word home than a house. You know, uh, people need, as Alex was saying, somewhere to to be safe and secure. And to and to be settled, and that's vital. But in the end, no matter what's going on in your life, homelessness is about people, individuals, just like me and you, who've hit a moment in their life where things have fallen apart and they've ended up homeless for whatever reason. And as we said, sometimes it's very deep seated and, and and a long term sort of fruition of long term problems. But homelessness is about people, and so if you can put the sort of holistic person-centered care around them that Alex was describing if you can create this sort of little excuse the pun but little oasis in time for that person take them out of the circumstances that they've been going through and work with them personally on a plan for them to get their life back up and running uh, including with a base of their own where they can be safe and secure etc that's how you solve homelessness and it it's self-evident, <laughs> you know. It's not. It's not really that complex theoretically, and it really is about supportive relationships and people getting that support that they need around 
what's going on in their life at that time. And, and then beyond just, you know, the, like the assessment centre, beyond that moment as well, not just temporarily. You know, some, often we find when people go into their own home and the door closes behind them, that can be a moment of crisis because suddenly they're on their own. Suddenly they have to work out how to manage a tenancy. They might not have done that before. They might not know how to cook. They might not have ever dealt with an electricity bill, you know. And more importantly, they, they can be isolated from the human relationships and the people around them. So that's another moment. So it has to continue. But if you can put that intensive support in early and for a considerable period, then that's when lives can be transformed. No, I think I think you're right in what you're saying because, like, some of the issues that obviously lead to homelessness is. Um, from sadly some really traumatic events and so it's that support mechanism that you offer is essential and also you know you talk about the move on plan and that's that's key like getting people firstly off rough sleeping into safe accommodation is key but then onward from a council ownership when you actually go into rent accommodation that can obviously also feel overly intense and problematic and you know you're trying at at the same at the same time to try and you know apply to jobs get basically get started again in society and you you know you can't simply just be left and that's the important part of the support network that you you guys offer people kind of need that support especially people that have been through really deep-rooted problematic trauma from any stage of life and whether it's um, substance abuse or whether it's um, actually related to you know personal incidents as well it's um, there's a lot of difficulties I guess and it's it's understanding these deep-seated issues rather than you know like again the everyone in thing was a great thing but it's not the be-all and end-all like we need a plan we need to structure to allow people to kind of feel supported and through that hopefully we can kind of then start to alleviate some of these tragic issues that we see and we'll only continue to see if it's just left and I don't you know like a lot of people within within like even the furlough scheme you can look at businesses that were felt forgotten and excluded but to me the biggest forgotten and excluded community was the homeless community and I think we're kind of we're not really doing enough at the moment so it's nice to see what you guys have started to put in place because you need that plan you need the support network and everyone in that was really evident what David's saying there people who previously weren't actually offered accommodation because of multiple reasons were offered something and they were offered council tenancies and things like that but they needed something to facilitate them in steps oasis we did a lot of work around that and we kind of scaled it on like a three-stage thing where first of all you just need to get people's basic needs met you know are you fed are you warm have you got somewhere to stay at night do you have access to medication that you needed to you know because when the pandemic really started kicking in that's a terrible way to describe it but people lost touch with things that they would normally access well I think everybody did in some way didn't they so it's kind of making those make sure those basic needs are met first and then we looked at what do we need to get here? What, what money do we need access to kind of make this this place their own? So I think um, the amount of carpets <laughs> that we've got grants for and things like that, but, th- but it was huge, you know, like somebody who's never ever done that before and taking them to a carpet shop, which we're now all on first name terms with the one here in Gateshead, but which is great, you know, and giving them that opportunity to be like, you know, I've never done this before. 
Isn't that amazing? And make it feel that they've picked that. This is their role and they take pride on that. And then so it's just kind of making that wonderful for them as best we could, making it lovely. Just you, you don't know how far just getting some really warm card goes. It's it's really it's really lovely. And then after that, it's kind of making them feel comfortable in that community, helping them maintain it. So sorting out bills and things like that, which I mean bills confuse most of us the best of times. It was it was a really it was a really nice piece of work to to be able to help people do that. But we kind of did it as a service anyway, but it was on such a bigger scale this time around. Um, and you know, and we've had so many lovely success stories from it. Sometimes it hasn't worked, you know, people individuals, it's not gonna work this time. We'll look at we'll look at a different way. But um it did some there's some really, really great work come from it. Fantastic people helping people who just really need it when they when they need it the most. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a great place to finish. I think it's um it's about helping people and the work that you guys are doing is fantastic. So if anybody would like to kind of reach out and contact you, what's the best way to kind of get in contact with Oasis Community Housing if they want to kind of help out? Probably the easiest way, Peter, is, is through the website that there's a way to connect with us. It's oasiscommunityhousing.org. You know, whether people want to volunteer or, or support or work financially um, or however they want to get involved, that's that's a good way to connect with us in the first instance. Hopefully anybody fancies working here, there's some jobs going soon. There's some great jobs going as well. Have you been inspired? Come and work for us. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Purpose Made, a strategic change consultancy supporting people and business to navigate the post-pandemic global society. This is what transformational change sounds like. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe and we'll see you again for the next episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.